You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. I'm here with Nick Miller. How you doing, Robbie? I'm doing all right, man. Now, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do professionally. Well, um, I'm assuming that what you want to talk about is my cigar podcast. I host and um, created the Cigar Pulpit. We've been going since August with uh, just conversational type podcasts about cigars and all kinds of other goofy stuff. And Damn, you're, pl- just- you're plugging right oh, off I'm the sorry. back. Oh my goodness. I want to get, I want to, I want to <laughs> know about Nick. So tell me about Nick's day job. What oh. do you do, Nick? Well, Nick's day job is Nick owns a newspaper in a town in Southern Illinois. Holy shit. You own an actual newspaper. I do. I do. Okay. So what's the name of the newspaper? So that's the O'Fallon Weekly. We started that in April of 2015. So we're coming up on our five-year anniversary next year. So I've talked to a couple of people that are journalists, and they always talk about how the way with technology that now it's advancing, especially with journalism, that it seems like any person that creates a blog or has access to any type of site where they can write something down has immediately had the title of being a journalist, which takes out kind of makes more pressure on them because in the art of being a journalist or just being able to get all the information on the facts to put into a newspaper, it's kind of changed because before, you know, we can look at it with like the Spider-Man uh, example, uh, Brock, that guy, Eddie Brock, when he started yeah, – yeah publishing fake photos of spider-man and someone found out he got all of his uh credit taken away from him he got fired and then he was basically disbanded from trying to join any other news articles they all slammed him nobody wanted um him sign up for his papers yeah and when you look at with web articles and all these blogs it really decredits a journalist nowadays you know any person with a phone can be a journalist um you look up a web article there's more people nowadays that just want to look up the answer that they want rather than the answer that is true well i would agree with that i'll say i'll go one step further that it's not just anybody with a website or a blog it's anybody with a facebook or instagram account too it's it's people are just putting stuff up on on social media. I mean, one of my biggest competitors is a group page in the town that I cover where people just go on and just say, hey, I saw a traffic accident over here. Avoid this road or hey, this house is on fire over here. You know, they, they just start going on and just throwing up news as they see it. And at the end of the day, what it really boils down to is a concern of mine is, and you kind of touched on it, is that um, there there's a certain amount of responsibility to to know what you're talking about that's put out there, and when you're just a person on Facebook throwing something out there, you don't feel the sense of responsibility of getting it right because who's going to sue you? They're going to sue me if I put something out there that's incorrect because I'm a company and everybody assumes that I have money. But they're not going to sue random guy on, on Facebook who, who put out incorrect information. 
Exactly. And yeah, I think a lot goes into writing a news article. First of all, I mean, the fact that I can look up right now on the internet, what will happen if I eat two boxes of Raisin Bran? And the first thing I'm getting is a web article from WebMD telling me that it's stomach cancer. And I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> now there's no, going to be people no. that see that and believe in it. That's the scary part is, especially when it comes to like looking up anything that happens to do with a metal, like a medical journal, you're going to see obviously stuff that's going to go different sides to things. And it's the reason why if someone complains about, let's say vaping, if someone complains about something, it you can easily find what you're looking for in the articles that support behind it. But no one ever goes to find out what's true. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, and that's the big problem is media literacy. People need to take time to look at the sources, look at what's being put out there, and actually do a little research into the validity and legitimacy of what they're reading. What do you think is kind of like a scare for you being an, at least owning your own newspaper? I see a lot of it happens to do with technology nowadays. More people are so easily accessible to media, you know, back in my grandparents day or something, you know, you know, our, an older generation's day, the newspaper was the only sense of information. You know, you had to get up and take that naked stroll out in the driveway and pick up that newspaper. And then, you know, it, it's now turned into just turning on your television. It seems like the newspaper, even though they keep popping up on my doorstep, I never actually take the time to read them unless I'm looking for a job or all these old school ways of being able to find like, you know, where the newspaper is a giant benefit. Um, my, so I'll tell you, my paper, we are a suburb of the St. Louis area. Okay. So uh, we have the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, and we have all the local TV and everything like that. That's great if you want the macro-level news, big stuff happening in St. Louis, big stuff happening you know, nationwide, whatever else. But when you want to know how the local high school baseball team did the night before, or when you want to know um, maybe what your city council is doing about the sales tax increase, or maybe your kid got named the student of the month. There's nowhere to go other than my paper. And that's the beauty of the product that I put out is that by keeping it so hyper local and so focused on just my community of like 35,000 people, I can make sure that I have a, I, I have a voice and I stay legitimate or stay relevant. And that's what's helped me along so far. So I even with technology, even with technology kind of like knocking at the door, because I mean, you know, everybody's wanting, wanting uh, digital and everything like that. I think, you know, I honestly think the whole push for digital is more on the money side of the, the corporations than it is the actual consumer side, but that's a whole other thing. But I, I do think that even if you have people saying they want digital, if all you're putting out is a print product that gives them what they want, they'll still come and take the print product. Yeah, what happens if uh, social media or the internet goes down or technology fails? Then next thing you know, exactly. we have to revolt back to newspapers. Newspapers are, you know, just because it's changed a different form. I mean, we can look at the education system and all these things happening now where it seems like technology is being so involved that writing is becoming an old school art and now it's turning into typing. But the concept is, you know, with a newspaper, 
And especially when you go, one of the most major benefits would be like you were saying with what you do with your local newspaper, local newspapers in general, they don't just focus on the main things going on in the world. They focus on things that are happening in the community around you, which makes them so popular. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I don't even really focus on the main things going on in the world because you can find that stuff anywhere. I mean, you know, we're, we're so close to St. Louis. I've had people ask me before, like, it, why, why, uh, why we don't cover like the St. Louis Cardinals, for example. And I tell them, look, you can go eight different places and find out what, what they did the night before or whatever, how they're doing in the standing. You know, we're not, we're not interested in that. You know, you, you can only go one place to find out how the O'Fallon Panthers are doing. Do you ever find that like when you're walking around your local town, you find stuff to write about or stuff to kind of focus on that you want to print out an article about? Oh, all the time. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story. I mean, you're a 21 year old guy with a podcast. I mean, so right there, there's a story. But everybody has something, at least one thing that's interesting about them. Some people have more, obviously, but but everybody has at least one thing that that is interesting about them. And then, you know, you go to government meetings. That's an entire agenda full of stuff to write about. Theoretically, you can write just the government meeting where you talk about the various things they did. But if you really wanted to, you could branch out almost every one of those bullet points on that agenda into a separate article. It just becomes a matter of time and whether or not it's actually interesting. But you could. So, yeah, yeah no, I all mean, the time we find stuff. I do conversations with people almost every day, you know, that don't think they're interesting. And there's always something unique about somebody. And I think like every story is meant to be heard. And whether it's not a story, whether it's just a conversation, it's meant to be had because, you know, you never know if someone's truly interesting or not. Like you see somebody like I've come across people that, you know, been missing limbs and they wear, you know, uh, camouflage, uh, like tank tops and stuff at the gym. And I'm like, dude, so what happened to your legs? I'm assuming it's from the war. Right. And he goes, no, I had diabetes. I'm like, Oh, well, that's a whole different story. <laughs> like we make assumptions based on people's looks and based on how people act thinking, Oh, they've been through hard times or good times when really you never know that the person that seems like they're, they're, you know, not really hiding anything probably has the most to tell. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's very important. It's true. And, and, we deal with that a lot, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to pull that information out of people, you know, kicking and screaming and, and they, uh, they may not think they're interesting. And so they may fight you on it, but eventually you get the story and, and it turns out right. What, or like, it doesn't. And, and then it's a boring piece, but. <laughs> well, what's one kind of story you've covered in like your kind of past and experience with this that you really find that it's really stuck in your mind? Oh my, we've had a few. Um, well, I have one that was a crime story and then I have one that was just like a profile piece. So the crime story, this was a, this was a really sad case. It was, um, I believe it was the beginning of this year or possibly, yeah, I don't think it was last year. I think it was the beginning of this year. And um, there was a couple. And this couple, they were grade school sweethearts and moved on from one another, moved into various different life directions. The gentleman, he went off and he got himself in some trouble and ended up going to jail for quite some time. And she went off and she had uh, had another husband for or had a husband for a while, had, had a kid. 
Um, ended up getting divorced, got a job at the post office. Well, her sweetheart got out of jail. Somehow or another, they found each other and ended up getting married and went on a trip. And it was a, it was a, a driving trip. They went on a road trip. And I guess over the course of this road trip, he got, he started showing, I guess, it, 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 it may have been prior, but I heard about it over the course of this trip. He was showing a lot of uh, jealous tendencies, kind of thinking that she was flirting with other guys and all kinds of other stuff. And so they got back to town and went to um, a park that we have in town. We call it the sports park because it's, it's centered around like all these different soccer fields, baseball fields and stuff. And so he's, they're parked at the sports park and they are, they're fighting in the car. And I don't know why he had it, but for some reason he had diesel accelerant and he got the diesel accelerant out and he sprayed her with it, lit her and the car on fire and he ran away. And Drivers passing by are seeing a woman running around her car completely engulfed. She ended up passing away on the scene. And then it became a manhunt trying to find him, and he was tracked down and arrested in Kentucky. And the only thing that we can figure is that he just flew into some sort of rage about what he perceived to be her flirting with other guys. And that was... Just a horrific day and trying to figure out how to cover that and everything because you know the park was locked down we couldn't get to the park to take pictures of the of the scene or anything like that but and then going back to our previous part of our conversation i've got people all over facebook sharing rumors and information that they're hearing about this and i've got people calling me saying you know what are you hearing about it I'm hearing all kinds of stuff, but I can't prove anything because the cops are on lockdown until they have their press conference at two o'clock in the afternoon. And so I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And it seems like everybody, when a story comes out that everyone wants to call in and give their perspective or what they think is the side of the story. And then you're like, well, how much of that did you create in your mind? That's not actually what happened at all. It's amazing how much just garbage just starts playing telephone all over town when something like that happens. One person says something and they tell somebody else and before long it becomes gospel and it's part of the story, but it never even happened. And yeah. So, and then the other one was, I'm sorry, just to back up because I mentioned too, the other one was a profile piece I did about a gentleman who was a POW in a Nazi camp during World War II. And it was, I he he was one of those guys where it was really hard to pull the information from at first, but once you got him talking, it was just an amazing, amazing story of this young guy who went off to World War II that ended up getting captured and, and put in a POW camp for quite some time. There was a story I read about a guy that um he was he thought the war um versus Japan and versus um America was still going and he had orders to sit on this island in this palm tree, like hide up in the tree and to like basically snipe people out. Well, he ran out of bullets and he spent the past 30 years living in this tree and they, they just brought him, they brought him down in like 2007 telling him like, Hey, you know, the war's over, right? He's like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, 
there's always stories all over the place and it's just a matter of finding them and, and telling them. I think a lot of people think that it's not going to happen where they live. Like, oh, psh, nothing ever cool ever happens here. Well, I can give you an extreme example. So in my in my school around probably, I want to say eighth grade, maybe ninth grade, I was in this government class and they showed this video about this murder that happened down here. And I was, I didn't understand what I was watching. I really honestly wasn't paying attention to the concept at the time, but I remember looking at the screen and seeing Secrets, a popular club down here that my mom works at. Um, it's like a bar slash radio station. My mom does the radio part to it. And I'm like, holy shit, like I know that place. I've been all inside that place. And they're like, but did you know there was a grisly murder? And I'm like, what the? what the fuck did that TV just tell me? And then it literally starts going into this documentary about this couple named Erica and Benjamin. I think their last name's Sifrit. But they're literally a couple that came down here during the summer and murdered two tourists. And the way they got rid of the body was by chopping it up and dropping it in different locations around the town. And like, you don't think that shit can happen in your area, like my small town and everything like this. And next thing I know, I'm seeing we're on the fucking 60 minutes. You got to see, you know, that clock on next up on 60 minutes. I'm like, holy shit, that's where I live. Yeah, <laughs> yeah stuff happens everywhere. And if you have a if you have a local paper or you have a local news source, you know, that's their job to go and find it. But if you don't, then you find out about it when maybe it floats to the surface or maybe you never find out about it. Do you find that since you know that there's always a story out there, you find yourself carrying like a pencil or you're carrying a piece of paper or something to write down or jot something down that you might see that might be interesting? I'll tell you, that's where my phone comes into play. I, I, my phone is an invaluable piece of technology for me. I have so many notes in my iPhone. It's ridiculous. So I, I tend to just use the phone, but and then the voice recorder if I if I don't have time to actually jot down a note. But yeah, I, I do take notes all over the place. I don't necessarily have a pen and notepad, but I, I do take notes all over the place. I find that like since I've started talking and noticing, you know, more people with stories, I started wanting to carry my recorder around everywhere. Also for the concept that, you know, when I do have my recorder and someone says, you didn't say that, I wish I could start recording more. So I'd be like, oh, I can play it back for you if you want. That's the be. I'll tell you. So going to government meetings, that's always fun is when, when you're covering a government meeting. I always tell my people, record the whole meeting. Just from the start of the meeting to the end of the meeting, just put your, at most, put your, or at least, I mean, put your phone out there and record the audio of the meeting. And then that way, if you quote some alderman or some council member or something like that saying something really ignorant, then when they come at me and they say, I never said that, I can play back the audio of them saying it. And it's, it's, it's fun. So. Isn't that the whole point of having in a courtroom, you have the woman that's typing up everything? Yeah. Yeah. Although now is that, does that still happen? Yeah. And actually that profession, the court reporter uh, profession is actually one that is threatened right now because there are so few people going off to learn how to do that because what she's doing when, when they're sitting there typing, they have a, a shorthand, like a code. And so maybe certain words are drilled down to just a single letter, but she knows that that letter means the word where, for example, I don't know. 
And so there's too few people actually going into that profession. And so it, it, it is causing actually a bottleneck in the court system because they don't have a court reporter to sit there and take the notes. And so they have to delay trials and things. That always, I always wondered when I was a kid because we used to do these typing classes and we learn how fast you can type and try and get your speed up. So, you, you know, the people that can immediately hop on the computer and next thing you know, they can type out a bunch of shit real fast and then crank it out. And I'm like, okay. And I'm sitting there like, where's the fucking G? Where's the A? I'm like, how did you type up that paragraph so fast? They're not even looking at the computer like what? And they're typing really fast. I'm like, okay. I figured that they would fall into that possession because I always thought that they sat there typing out all the words and everything. I was like, I could only imagine me in that position sitting there like, can you slow down? You said you you murdered. How do you spell murder? How how do you? Guys, a cap locks is on. I got to go back. Hang on. You know, I'm sitting there trying to think of the possibilities of it but throughout history i mean mankind has known the human race in general just to be able to want to record their history i mean we want to leave a legacy it's constantly what people are doing nowadays with podcasting they want to leave something behind i know people that started podcasts because they've been given a short-term amount of time to live and they just want their family to be able to hear their voice or play something so they they just keep cranking out content and it's all a way of we I think ourselves, because we know we're not built to last, but we want a way to remember ourselves. It's the same reason why most media networks do not kind of, I guess, tell you the name of the terrorist because they don't want them to get fame in a way. But that's the only way that those terrorists feel like that's their ticket to fame. It's a sad case, but they believe that they, they, they're not going to be able to do anything good. So they feel like if they do something extremely bad, they'll be remembered that way. Yeah, and, and that's actually been a relatively newer development in media. Um, I know there was a big discussion about whether or not to name terrorists and mass shooters and that sort of thing, because by by doing so, you're, you're glorifying them and giving them the attention that they that they were finally looking for. And there's a case to be made on both sides of that, because... You know, I feel as though as a journalist, we are the historians of our respective areas. And so our articles and our work theoretically becomes the tapestry of the history of our area. And so by leaving out the name of the individual who did a heinous crime, you could argue that we're denying history, that information 50, 100 years from now. But on the flip side, I do understand that we don't want to glorify and give fame to these animals when you worry that it could possibly spur on and inspire other people to do a similar act. And so it's it's a fine line that you got to walk. I do think that at least once you have to name the individual, but I think going forward, maybe you can just call them the shooter or, or whatever if you want. But I do think it there has to be at least one. That's sketchy lines when you go and try and bring it up in the, in like an article later, like maybe a hundred years later, be like, there was on this day, there was a shooter, but like, what was the shooter's name? And then you could be like, I, we don't know. And that's, that's exactly it. Because if you don't, if a hundred years later, you have the, the third article about this issue, 
where by that point you've just started referring to that person as the shooter and you don't have that first article where you actually name the shooter and say from here on out we're going to call him the shooter then yeah you you've denied history that that information so but on the flip side do you i i i get it it's, it's a it's a hard situation and thankfully i have not had a shooting or any sort of mass casualty event in my town that i've had to worry about that so um i haven't had to wrestle with that specific question yet now how common is it that a cat gets stuck in your tree <laughs> uh if it happened i haven't known about it because so. I've, I've seen a lot of articles in some newspapers where they're like local kid saves cat from tree i'm like is this the most popularity this town gets is like this is like the biggest incident but you see a lot of small town articles when it comes to things man you look at a whole variety of things i mean i have a reporter right now who's covering a veterans day event and i'll tell you this event it's the same every year um same format same you know the guest speaker will change and that'll probably be what she ends up highlighting, you know, in her article, just due to the fact that that'll be something different. But by and large, it's the same thing every year. And so if you go back over our papers over the year, you can see where, okay, it's Veterans Day and this event took place. And, oh, we're coming up on the Miss O'Fallon pageant in August. So this issue in August is going to have the pageant information. You know, that sort of thing. But yeah, people people still enjoy that stuff. Do you find that like kind of more people are kind of less buying the paper nowadays? Or do you see still see the same is it more reliable customers like the ones that kind of have always kind of built up a relationship, like the ones you know in particular rather than newer ones? Or do you see a spark in the newer generation um, kind of You know, it's interesting. I have have a very loyal core audience that subscribe or buy it. Um, and what's fascinating to me is everybody talks about how like the younger people don't care about newspapers. You know, the high school students, they don't read newspapers. They don't care. And to some degree, that's true. But you have to be giving them what they're interested in. It, it, it's, and, and that goes for everybody. If, if you're 50 years old or if you're 18 years old, you're not going to pick up a publication that has nothing in it that you're interested in. You're, you're just not. And so you got to give these kids something that they're interested in. And what I've found that they're interested in is they're interested in themselves and their friends. So if you do a really good job covering the high school, in my, in my example, you're going to get kids that are interested in looking at it just due to the fact that they see people they know and it's but that that again spans generations people like seeing people they know yeah so, for instance the only time i ever read my school paper was when they published my article that i wrote on psychoanalysis and art and i was like holy shit i'm in the newspaper put it up on the fridge and then i was telling my friends and they're like who the fuck reads our newspaper? I'm like, just wait till you're in it. But next week, I wasn't in the next newspaper, so I didn't even bother to read it. Well, see, and that's the thing. If you were, if you either were in it, or maybe you knew one of your friends was going to be in it, maybe that would spur you on to have read it. And it's one of the that that's the thing. You got to be consistent with with covering. In my case, 
if I want to hit the high school crowd, I got to be consistent about hitting the high school. So I think most of the audience that buys newspapers is a lot of businesses like restaurants, hotels. I know our hotel always gets the daily newspaper. Grocery stores do. I see the guy at like three o'clock in the morning delivering newspapers at the grocery store. And it's funny. Everybody always jokes about how the USA Today wouldn't be in business these days if it weren't for all the hotel chains that buy it to give free copies to all the people staying in their hotel. But that's a whole other Well, I find the most people that read newspapers in a hotel, like I work in an old style hotel. So a lot of the people and clientele that go there are um, of an elderly generation. So they mostly sit down on the benches downstairs and they'll read the newspaper, but also bring it up to their room and trying to figure out like a lot of tourists we get too. But, you know, you get to see the variety of your audience. Like I'll be cleaning out a room or something and then they'll just have the newspapers laying all over the place and I'm looking through them. And that's when I start to actually start reading some of them. Like, holy shit, we have an event coming up. I knew nothing about like it, it, it it's 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 interesting and it's like it seems like the only time you really have the time to ever read a newspaper is when you're sitting down and you have a moment you know to actually catch up on stuff and this goes perfectly into the topic i want to talk about cigars <laughs> yes being able to relax and read a newspaper how about being able to relax and enjoy a fine cigar that is something that i really got into would have been about July of 2018. So it's only been about a year, coming up maybe a year and a half ago, that that I really got into premium cigars. And when I did, it was just like the clouds parted and I I understood because at that point I had an outlet to relax and that would force me to relax because I, I some of these guys they will they will put out and relight their cigars to where they'll they'll get multiple sittings out of one six, but I don't like to do that because the flavor changes and so I force myself to sit and smoke the whole cigar in one sitting. And so you're talking at least an hour. Yeah, it's it's a commitment when you it's a commitment yeah. when you uh, actually smoke a cigar. I didn't realize I got um, like I know the swishers and all that. Like you pay a dollar, you get a yeah. swisher. I've smoked those. Yeah. But when I graduated college, I was like, we're going to get graduation cigars. And it wasn't until like seven months later, I go into the cigar shop with my cousin and my cousin's like, look, we're going to we're going to we're going to do this right. We're not going to buy some cheap ass shit. So I go in there and I'm like, excuse me, ma'am. I'm like a kid at a candy store right now. Can you please tell me? What is an affordable cigar? One that is not obviously five hundred dollars or rolled in banana leaves, but one that's you know relatively in my price range. So she's showing me everything, and I'm looking at the cigars, and she goes, "Well, you got your cheap ones over here," and she's pulling out like regular Swisher ones that are like twenty bucks a pop, and I'm like, "No, no, 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 no! I want something like a big Al Pacino motherfucker where I sit there and smoke it and I feel like I should be in some mafia or something. And she's like, well, this is going to be over here. So I don't know the whole brands, but just looking at all the different varieties and the styles, I mean, and also the imagery that the company uses as well. Like, you know, you get the long black ones, you get the short black ones, you get what the, the color consistency, the length, all of it goes on and on and on. It can be very intimidating. Yeah. No, I can, I can understand that. Um, and what it really boils down to is when, when you're first getting into cigars, I don't, I don't know how to recommend this for every area, but 
for me, he was finding a really good tobacconist that would take the time to actually talk through the process with you. We have a store over in St. Louis that I, I, I love. I consider it my home store, even though it's, you know, 35 minutes from my house. And it's, it's the Hill Cigar Company. And the people there are just so nice, so welcoming, and so knowledgeable that you can walk in, you can tell them, hey, I'm looking for a cigar, but I don't know what to go for. And they'll ask you questions. They're like, well, do you like a mild smoke? Do you like something medium? Or do you want something really strong? And you can kind of kind of go through their their round of questions and then they can they can direct you in different ways. Because, for example, a Connecticut cigar, uh, Connecticut tobacco cigar, that's going to be more of a lighter shade of tan is going to be by and large, not necessarily. None of this is 100 percent, you know, uh, set in stone. But by and large, a Connecticut cigar is going to be a lighter, more mild smoke than, let's say, a really aged, um, dark Habano Maduro that is one of those, like you're talking about, the really dark wrappers and everything like that. And so, you and, and tobaccos from different regions have different flavors and, and profiles. You know, you get, you get tobaccos from Nicaragua that are that are really strong and powerful and and you know they're full body versus versus ones from let's say Honduras or the Dominican Republic and and so you need to know all that stuff going into it and that's where a really good cigar shop employee or tobacconist will will be a lifesaver for you in terms of picking out cigars early on when you're still learning all this stuff. I think the biggest mistake I made when I tried a cigar was I tried to do it quick. I tried to sit there and puff through it while watching a sunset. I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. I got this cigar. I parked my car right here. Let me get out and just watch this sunset. Sun faded a lot faster than I thought it would, so I'm sitting there trying to you know, get my cigar finished before the sun goes all the way down and starts getting cold out. And next thing I know, I'm like, this was not as fun as I thought it was going to be. And like I was talking to the lady again and she was like, well, because you didn't enjoy it. It's not something that can be rushed. And I, I never understood what she meant. What do you mean it can't be rushed? Why, why can't it be just something like you don't think of like someone goes on a smoke break. It doesn't last longer than five or 10 minutes. Yeah. Well, because there's a difference between a cigarette and, and the cigar. I mean, when you're going out on a smoke break, you only got a few minutes and, and no, most people aren't going to sit and smoke a, a cigar during that, during that five or 10 minutes. But, but you can, with a cigar, you have to give yourself the time. It has to be part of a relaxation ritual or, or moment that you're giving yourself. You, you have to take a legitimate break and not just five or 10 minutes. Do you find that it's a, smoking a cigar is a better way to slow down in life? Like, cause a lot of people nowadays seem like they're moving way too fast. Oh, definitely. Cause like I said, you have to sit and, and chill with it. I mean, I've done things while smoking a cigar, like, um, you know, you've got guys that will cut the grass and they'll have a cigar while they're doing that. Or you've got, well, my co-host, for example, he likes to drive and, and smoke cigars. 
I'm not the biggest fan of, of, of really doing things when I'm smoking a cigar because the problem that I find is that I focus on what I'm doing and then my cigar will maybe go out or um, I'll, I'll accidentally maybe ash someplace or something like that. And I, I don't like making a mess about it. I, I like to just find a nice chair and just sit down and just watch the world go by as I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think that it's definitely something. I think it's pretty funny because a lot of the pictures you look up with people smoking cigars, there's one of an astronaut on in outer space on the moon, and he's sitting yeah. in a lawn chair watching the Earth. And I'm like, it's definitely one of those things you have to sit down and really take in the environment around you. I just think it's a weird concept the way that cigars get played in the media. A lot of people look at it like, oh, it's hazardous to your health, even though you can smoke five of them a day and it shows no really – I guess, damage to your lungs, because first of all, you're not yeah. inhaling, you're only puffing. And precisely. And then when you go, it's always like, when you get cigars, they're for a bachelor party. I'm like, but it's more about connecting when it comes to the bachelor party. Like a lot of people think, oh, we're going to smoke cigars and go out on the town. No, but for that 45 minutes, you're smoking that cigar, however long it takes, you're sitting down and becoming connected with the people around you. You just threw a lot out at me, and so I'm going to touch on two different things here real quick. The first is going to be the health stuff. So, yes, everyone likes to lump premium cigars in with cigarettes and vaping and everything else, and they are just nowhere near the same um, product. The difference is that – or the, the one thing they have in common, or at least tobacco or uh, cigars and cigarettes, would be the use of tobacco. However, within, within cigarettes, you have just a ton of different additives, um, tar and, or not tar, uh, pesticides and various other things that they put into to make the ingredients of a cigarette. Whereas with a cigar, it literally is just rolled dried tobacco. The filler, the binder, and the wrapper, 100% is just various leaves of pure tobacco. You could theoretically go out in your backyard and grow and make a cigar. It probably isn't going to be very good depending upon where in the country you actually live and are doing that. But you could theoretically do something like that. As for vaping, that's a whole other thing. And quite frankly, I don't even, and I'm not a big fan of cigarettes at all, but I do think that it's not even fair to lump vaping and cigarettes together because the, the, it's just completely different, but it's a gen. Well, it's a generation thing too. You got to see like back in the day, you know, people use a lot of hairspray. People want to talk about the health effects of vaping. I'm like, they're actually not that damaging. Like for someone like me that vapes, but uses a no nicotine um, concept, you know, it is a form of relaxation just because whether you're doing something or, you know, it, for me, I enjoy it only on the concept of, I think it's this, it's this generation's form of smoking. Everyone wants to say, oh, it's better for you if you vape. Oh, it's worse for you if you vape. It's like, honestly, everyone has their own opinions on whatever, you know, they feel right. And people are completely different. I know people that have developed cancer from not never smoking once and having lung cancer. And I know people that smoke 80 packs a day and have severe problems, but they don't have any form of cancer. And what's fascinating too to look at regarding vapes, uh, Jewel and all the rest of it is take a look at who actually owns these companies. And what you'll find is at least with Jewel, you know, Philip Morris owns um, a pretty large majority or a stake in Jewel. 
And the reason for that is they saw that the cigarettes were getting beaten up. And so they wanted to hedge their bets on the future product that was going to be more profitable for them. And so they went ahead and, and they're, they're, they're literally investing in their own competition because now they've got that game still up. Yeah. That was a whole there's a there's yeah. a book actually on um that I read. It's about mm-hmm. um it's like the best way to stop smoking. And it's like most people are like, oh, it's because it's the nicotine or whatever that creates a stimulating effect that helps ease your nerves. It's actually not true. It actually makes you more nervous. And then people talk about, oh, well, it's a social thing. Like I do smoking for social situations. That makes sense. But in reality, you end up smoking by yourself, you know. A lot later you get addicted to it because it is an addictive property and you say, oh, I smoke for social things. That's how it starts. But then eventually you end up smoking by yourself. You end up isolating yourself and no one wants to hang out with you because you stink. Um, you smell yeah. like cigarettes. A lot of people always think of that. And then it's like, oh, but it calms my nerves. It really doesn't because it's known to actually raise your awareness, just that quick sensation that gets over with. It's all a concept that we create in our mind. And I'm like, this generation that has vaping, okay, well, it was seen the other way health effects wise too when it comes to back in the day, what did everybody put on their hair? Hairspray. I know people that put so much hairspray in their hair that on the concept of when a hard gale force wind of 80 miles an hour comes by, not a fucking hair moves out of place, you know, and that develops sticky lung. So it's like, it seems like somebody's always got to put their opinion on something when really it's not needed. Well, and I will say I don't I don't know a ton about the vaping industry and the vaping products and everything. I do know I keep hearing more and more about the vitamin E substance as it relates to the THC pods, but that's only in the THC pods. So it, I mean it's all over the place, and that's and that's I guess the point is that with vaping it's a fairly new a new product and it's bringing new concerns and thoughts to the into to the world and to the industry and so i think a lot of people are still trying to figure out what all is even going on in all that so that's that's something to keep in mind a lot of the problem is you got kids nowadays that are experimenting with making their own flavors because um a lot was popular with the, nic- with the nicotine industry, like people that roll their own cigarettes, where there are people that create their own e-juice that goes into their vape. And when they start doing that, they start trying to kind of play creator and feel like they know the product so well that they can mess with it. So they start inserting drugs into it. And the next, uh, it's it messes up the original. If you go to a reputable dealer, such as a shop, it'd be the same concept if, if you were buying a guy who made cigars if you're buying his cigars and then he just started randomly inserting stuff inside of it like oh this one's going to get you high i put a little bit of cocaine in there that's what kids are doing they're experimenting by putting all these different types of juices and all these things that should not be mixed together and then they start having severe health problems that's why none of them are suing the corporations all the parents that are pissed off trying to sue the kids sitting there on the hospital bed like but i fucking added something to it like you know he's afraid to say it it's because, you know, just like mankind, they choose to experiment. I mean, does anybody even look up how the cigar was originally created? Did anybody look up how tobacco was originally created? Some motherfucker decided like, hey, I'm going to do this and try it out. And it ended up working. Like, who's the first person that discovered milk? Like, who decided to go suck on a cow's tit to get milk out of it? This, we live in a world where everyone's like a freaking adventurer. And sometimes, you know, you venture off into wrong territory and you get consequences for it. Well, that's exactly it. So 
But then going back to the other thing you pointed, you were circling back. You talked about the social aspect of cigars. And I'll tell you, that, that's been a thing that I have really enjoyed is that, you know, I found that it's, it's truly a family. Um, you have the, the, all the guys at the and gals at the cigar lounge, you get to know them after a while, you get to know about their lives and you become friends and you sit around and it's people from different backgrounds, different professions, different, just different worlds, all coming together, all to have mm-hmm. an experience in this case, the cigar. But when, when that cigar is lit up, it doesn't matter that you have a judge sitting there with a guy who does flooring for a living and they're just two guys that are just talking and well a lot of times in our lounge we avoid we avoid the real hot button issues we we don't get into the the politics and the religion just because we like to separate as friends but otherwise by and large i mean it's it's a it's a great atmosphere where everybody just kind of comes together and and is friendly and super cool with each other well, that's why cigar lounges are so popular because it's it's like going to a, it's like going to a bar. I mean, they got cigar bars. It's just the concept of you know you don't want to drink alcohol, so you like smoking cigars. Well, why don't you go do it in a public place, like somewhere that it allows it? I think a lot of people look at people you know smoke cigars as being obnoxious just because of the how big it is, or just because of the concept of how much smoke it gives out, and it's like. Really, it could just be somebody enjoying their time. I mean, I went to this cigar shop in my town, and there was a dude sitting in a black recliner watching football. Like, I'm like, okay, that, that's chill. And he was an older guy, too. He was just chilling. He was like, first time getting a cigar? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, it'll change your life if you want. Like, it's it's pretty interesting, the people I've had to, you know, I've had the chance to smoke a cigar with. And I'm like, well, like, you get to hear interesting to- stories, too. Because like you said, it's not something you can do quick. It's something you got to sit down and actually talk to people. Like, you know, you're sitting down for 45 minutes. It's going to get awkward if nobody says a word. Yep. No, I mean, I've got friends that are cops. And like I said, there's at least a judge. There's a guy who used to sell airplanes for, well, it was McDonnell Douglas, but they were bought out by Boeing. So he would go over to Saudi Arabia and teach troops how to, how to operate mm-hmm. planes after the military had purchased these planes. And so he's telling us stories about being in war zones, teaching, teaching guys how to use the planes. And so, you know, they, they, you meet all kinds of interesting, interesting people that, yeah, more normally I probably would have never had the opportunity or the chance to meet these guys. So how did you decide to turn this into a podcast? Did you just have a friend and decide like you guys have so much fun smoking cigars together, you might as well record it? Pretty much. Um, what what kind of happened was we uh, – so, so let me back up. So with the newspaper, we're constantly kind of looking at different ways we can enhance the product, not necessarily compete with ourselves. And – a website kind of competes with ourselves in that if we put our news up on the web, then it doesn't motivate anybody to go and buy our print product. But where we're kind of thinking like, okay, how can we enhance our product and offer something different? And one of the things that we thought about was doing like a podcast, kind of a little update that like a like a daily update like hey this is what's going on in town today kind of thing and 
So we bought a bunch of equipment, looked into it, and it became one of those things where it was more ambition than time. And we we ended up not doing it, but we had all this equipment. And podcasting just kind of fascinated me. And I wanted to find some way to to delve into it. And so then, you know, flash forward to July of last year, uh, my buddy and I, we really get into premium cigars. Over the course of a year, we really got into premium cigars, met a lot of really cool people, started realizing there's a lot of really cool stories out there to be told, and just kind of decided, okay, well, we have this equipment. Let's just go ahead and try this out and see what's what. And so we started doing it. Next thing you know, people are responding to it. People are enjoying it. And it's just kind of like from there. It's so what's, do you guys try and focus on these cigar like topics? Oh yeah. We're always talking about different topics. Like, um, so the way our, our podcast is kind of, loosely formatted we don't really have a strong format but um typically he and i smoke the same cigar and kind of give our thoughts back and forth throughout the episode about that cigar paul make sure you make that clear though you so you say the same cigar you mean but you guys have two separate versions of the same cigar well yeah i mean we both have two um, I mean, he has a stick and I have a stick. We're not yeah, smoking I, the exact same. That's stick. what I'm saying. Yeah, let's let's Dude, clarify that one. That is a big faux pas. You know, I I don't want to ever put my lips on something that he has put his lips on, if you know what I mean, or whatever. So yeah, so no, no, no. We have two cigars each, but they're just the same duplicates of one another. So we uh, so we'll do that, and then. Um, you know, sometimes we have guests. Like we've had, we've had some cigar manufacturers come on. We had the uh, the CEO of Cigars for Warriors, which is a um, nonprofit that collects um, donated cigars and buys cigars to send to our deployed troops because um, it's it cigars are one of the most requested items. Yeah, nothing's more badass than shooting a fifty cal with a cigar in your mouth. Well, and and going back to what we were talking about before, it's a relaxation thing. And you know, these guys, they're and gals, they're dealing with some really high stress stuff, and maybe they go through something that's that's really intense. And being able to sit and just chill with a cigar for a while actually can be a very good decompression moment for them and i mean there's doctors that have flat out told this guy that what they're doing is they're providing some relief and some help towards um avoiding ptsd because they uh they are giving these guys an outlet through the cigars to be able to decompress and relax that maybe they wouldn't have normally had so you know, we've we've interviewed him. We had very recently we had a lawyer on that talked about um, the uh, uh, regulations the FDA is imposing on the premium cigar industry. We've had a gal from Canada who is a whiskey and bourbon um, expert that that talked about you know what kind of of spirits um, she liked and and she would consider pairing with cigars because that's the big thing is pairing a liquor or or 
um, spirit with a certain cigar because you get you know the different flavor notes and everything. Do you and find so? That so we. Is- well, we, do you, well, that's something I kind of right. want to ask about with a different pairing of a spirit. Is that does that actually increase like the flavor intensity to a cigar? Oh, totally. So if you can get the correct pairing, then theoretically it will enhance the flavor of both the spirit and the cigar. That that if you can can pair it accordingly, um, both both products will actually be enhanced and and made better. Hmm. That's interesting. I never knew that because I knew a lot of people smoke giant cigars and always have bourbon. Such people like, you know, Ron White, famous comedian, uh, freaking always smokes a cigar and has like a little bit of scotch or something on them. Yeah. And and what it is, you know, they find over time, they find experiments around and find, okay, this, this scotch or this bourbon tastes really well with this specific cigar and by doing so it takes the flavor notes of this scotch and amplifies them up and it takes the flavor notes of the cigar and amplifies them up and before long you get a really good pairing that that you really like and enjoy man that's a, it's a whole nother concept it really opens up your mind to like you know they talk about chefs in a kitchen now you talk about cigar and a, and a nice whiskey or something man i mean i think like i'm not a big drinker i'm not a big smoker either but you know the bonding experience you get like you want to talk about with troops i mean you're spending you know so much time involved with these people that you basically count on to keep you alive in certain scenarios and having a cigar and having that time i guess really spent together really creates a bonding experience there's a guy i go to who goes to my gym is an older man um you know he was he fought in like afghanistan and all these things he's probably like in his 50s um he uh doesn't smoke a cigar but he always has one and like when he gets done with the gym i see him driving around like around through town he'll have it and he'll just chew on it like he'll just have it in his mouth he won't have it litter in his yeah yeah that I don't like to do. I don't like to do that because I don't like getting the flakes and you know stuff in the mouth. But yeah, but I I've seen guys chewing on their cigars before. Why do they chew on them? Is it because they like? I know his reason is he doesn't smoke, but he just likes the kind of taste to it. And therein lies the point. You know, he he likes the taste to it. Um, tobacco has different flavor notes and taste to it, and so maybe he just for whatever reason he likes. Like just chewing on it. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of chewing on my cigar, but um, but I've seen other people that have. What would you recommend to people that were willing to try cigars for the first time? Like, would, like how would you recommend that they set up their experience? Obviously, not do what I did and try and rush it, but you know, have a more enjoyable time to it. Definitely don't rush it. I'd say, you know, do a little bit of research in advance. I know if you have a cigar shop lounge in your area some places don't and it's going to be a little bit more difficult but but see if you have like a lounge or somebody nearby that you can go and visit and talk with the tobacconist there kind of talk with them you know see they're going to if if they're a good tobacconist they're going to ask you questions about what kind of food you like what kind of you know drinks you like because if let's say you're a big fan of really spicy Mexican food and a big fan of really like, you know, big red meat and everything like that, you might be able to handle something a little more meatier um, in a cigar than, than the, the 
really mild starter cigar. And it might be one of those things where you might have that mild starter cigar if you are into that kind of kind of heavier diet to where you might end up in a situation where you're like, well, this is nothing. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you would have had maybe something a little stronger, you might have appreciated it more. But talk with your local tobacconist and, and really, really work on trying to figure out what cigar to start with. And then from there, once you have your cigar, um, you know, make sure that you have a nice place to just sit and relax, uh, be that either at the lounge in front of the TV or outside someplace. I would actually recommend trying your, 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 if you're going to smoke first, I would actually recommend smoking inside because part of the experience is the uh, aroma of the smoke. And when you're outside, Mother Nature takes that smoke away just naturally. And so you lose out on that, those, those aromatics. And, you know, it's just like food, you know, when you're, when you're eating, um, the smell of the food is so important. Well, in this case, the smell of the cigar is also very important. And so you want to make sure that you're, you're capturing that. And so I would recommend maybe first time actually sitting and smoking inside someplace that you're allowed. Well, Nick, I appreciate you coming out and doing the podcast, man. It's been awesome talking to you and thanks for opening up my mind too. Thanks for opening up my mind to a couple things. I didn't know the whole world about cigars, but it's interesting to know you also uh, have your own newspaper as well. Yeah, well, and that's kind of where things uh, with the podcast kind of kind of spun out is that we uh, that's why we we like doing the interviews and the more of the educational stuff is that we're not just two guys that are sitting and smoking cigars, but we're journalists as well, and so we kind of try and bring a little story to it as well. Well, I want to give you here a minute at the end to kind of promote your content. So let everybody know where they can find you at. Yeah. So we're, um, we are the Cigar Pulpit. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Google uh, Google Play Music. I always get that mixed up. It was Play Music or Music Play. And um, but we're also on Instagram at the Cigar Pulpit, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube as well. Well, thanks so much, Nick, for being on the podcast and stay tuned for another episode of Out of the Blank.